Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Flavor of the Week, brought to you by Banditos, fresh, made daily. In Flavor of the Week, Kyle sits down with one of our local priests over four different episodes to sample variations of a favorite food or drink while they discuss the ins and outs of life as a priest. This is Kyle Hyman. I am here with Monsignor Owen Campion here at the Our Sunday Visitor headquarters of the United States. Thanks for being here, Monsignor. Thank you. Glad to be with you. We have Flavor of the Week, part one, and... Ever since the first episode of the show, we sit down with a priest over four episodes, talk about his priesthood, his journey of faith, and we do something flavor-related, something food or drink-related. And you said, oh, we don't need to do that. We could just talk. (laughs) Well, either way. Well, either way is perfect because uh, I brought a couple things just in case if you're open to the flavors. All right. I have brought three options for you. Behind door number one, we have... Four different types of rice cakes. Okay. Uh, have you ever, have you ever had rice cakes? Yes, I have. They're they're kind of like flavored air. This is a, an assorted array of fruit snacks. Yeah. So it's got different flavors of fruit gummies. And then I have uh, four different flavors of chocolate. So let's talk a little bit about your journey to the priesthood. What now? Not from around here. You grew up in Nashville, yes, Tennessee. And what was your family like, and what drew you to the priesthood? Well, uh, first of all, I uh, was born in Nashville, Uh and shortly uh, after my birth, uh, my father was inducted in the uh, Second World War, Hmm. so he was a certified public accountant, and uh, so the Army sent him to Washington to the Pentagon, and he was in the Pentagon the entire war, so we lived in Washington. We moved up... uh, to be with him, so he was. So my first uh, four years of life were in Washington. Uh-huh. Obviously, I have very few memories. Most of the memories I have are what my parents told me about it. Sure. I suppose one thing that that I don't know how it had an impact upon a four year old boy, but uh, Sunday mass was so important to them. Hmm. And, uh, of course, I don't think I would have noticed this at the time, but a problem that they had was uh, getting gasoline uh, because of the wartime rationing. Uh Uh, The average citizen could buy three gallons a week, can you imagine? Yeah, and you had, like, tickets or— You had little coupons. Yeah. So, anyway, neither mother nor dad had any kind of privileged uh, uh, ranking— so that's all they could buy it was uh, three uh, gallons of uh, gas a week, gasoline a week. Uh, there was a grocery store uh, about a block away, so I guess there was a drugstore down there too, whatever. Uh-huh. That was not that much of an issue about uh, going to the grocery. But they saved the gas until Sunday came around. and. Huh. They here they were in Washington with all of its monuments and landmarks, but they couldn't go see them because they they couldn't get the gas to yeah. drive the car. So on Sunday they would like go to the Jefferson Memorial, but they would choose a church in the district, as it's called, to go to mass. Uh-huh. But it, it was always revolving around mass. So they first would find a church. Of course, there were churches where we lived. We were in a parish. But they would find a church near one of the landmarks, and they would uh, go there to Mass, and then on the way back home, they would 
look at the uh, Washington Monument or the Capitol or whatever it was. Um, I don't think that that was one memory that I would have had that continued, of course, uh, was that the importance of, of Sunday Mass. Right. Then the war ended, uh-huh. and we moved back to Nashville. Actually, uh, it's rather interesting now to think about how quickly many soldiers were discharged. Uh, Dad was discharged in November. War ended in August. That's not a long time. Yeah. But uh, we moved back, and finally uh, they bought a home and so forth. I started to um, elementary school uh the following September Mm -hmm. in the first grade. And that began another process that was very important to me as far as uh, religion goes. I was in the school for eight years, first through eighth grade, Mm -hmm. and all of my teachers were Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia. But they had a tremendous effect upon me. The school was not that old to begin with, so there were only 11 students in my class, in the eighth grade class, which meant uh, by just necessity, we had a lot of uh, personal attention from uh, the sister who was the teacher. As it turned out, I had the same nun for two years. Uh, She taught us in the seventh grade, and then she was named uh, principal of the school, which meant she taught the eighth grade. Uh So we had her two years in a row. And she was a sister, Mary Joseph. She was a, a very uh, important factor in my life in those two years. I would have been thirteen and fourteen, I suppose. Uh, she was a very uh, important factor. Uh, one thing that uh, that was another thing that uh, happened providentially. She wanted uh, the the boys to be altar servers, uh-huh. so she didn't impose that upon us, but. Uh, Many of most of us, you know, learned to be altar servers. Sure. And the routine was that when our turn came up, we served daily mass in the convent, and like six a.m. or something. So, mother and dad would have to get up, you know, at the crack of dawn and uh-huh. get me over there for mass. But that was, uh, of course, with the convent. But then on the weekends, on Sunday, once again, as our turn came along, we would serve in the parish church. And I would say that was the first uh, personal contact that I had with priests. Hmm. Uh, the parish was very big, and so um, uh, the pastor was a magnificent person, but uh, he was busy about many things. Sure, We would see him, you know, primarily celebrating Mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then once we were servers, we had some association with him uh, because he would be the celebrant. He had about four associate pastors, but he would be the celebrant, and he would come in and talk to us. He was a magnificent man in every respect. Mm-hmm. Well, then I finished uh, elementary school uh, with a very positive impression of parochial schools and of nuns. I hear uh, people now sometimes turn on the television and I'll hear somebody say what a dreadful experience parochial education was for them, how mean and tyrannical the sisters were and all that. I, I just can't relate to that. I don't. I just can't. I'm sure they're sincere. Right. But I, I just never, I mean, the sisters were our friends. And, yeah. And they were never mean to us or, 
or anything like that. They were such uh, marvelous models and efficient and good teachers and professional in every way and fine religious. So that was a positive experience. Then I uh, was graduated from the eighth grade, and I went to the uh, boys' high school in, in Nashville. As I recall now, there were even just some lessons about being enrolled there. I, I don't know whether I was enrolled yet, but uh, the Supreme Court decision, Brown versus Topeka Board, mm. Board of Education, was yeah. rendered in um, uh, April of 1954. And so nobody knew exactly what it meant and exactly how it would play out. Well, in June, the first week of June, the bishop of, at the time announced that the um, parochial schools in Nashville would desegregate. Uh-huh. It's very hard for people now, especially if they're not from the South, uh, to know what a revolutionary moment that was. Yeah. It's interesting. My uh, male classmates, there were six boys in the class. Two did refuse to go to the Catholic schools because of of the racial matter. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other four of us did not. And, of course, uh, uh, it, it was just never an option for my parents that I'd go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So then I got into the school, and that that would have been another stage and awakening and uh, formation and whatever. My high school, Father Ryan High School, was the first uh, school in the former Confederacy to be desegregated. Huh. Uh, there's a lot of publicity about it and not all favorable by any means. The principal was an extraordinary man, Father Francis Shea, hmm. later went on to be Bishop of Evansville, Indiana, and died in Evansville. Okay. But um, he was remarkable, and so were the other priests. Um, I think now that uh, as I look back— uh, Father Shea was uh, such an example in every way. The hot topic of the day uh, was uh, the civil rights issue, um, and and he was so forthright about that. CBS News came down and interviewed him since the high school was the only one in the former Confederacy desegregated. Hmm. And I remember the uh, reporter asked him how many uh, blacks are in your school uh-huh. and father shea said i have no idea we don't count them by race uh-huh. um, <laughs> That's great. um the faculty was composed totally of diocesan priests okay no lay people except the coaches but uh the everything else whether you went to class in mathematics or history or english or chemistry or whatever it was taught by a priest that was rare at the time right well, I don't think it would have been rare in the country at the time huh. uh, because, for example, if you had gone to Brebeuf in Indianapolis, uh-huh. every teacher would have been a Jesuit. Okay. And so um, uh, huh. because they had so many priests. Sure. Uh, if you had gone to Benedictine in Richmond, Virginia, where many of my classmates went, every teacher would have been a Benedictine monk. Okay. Uh, but in any case, now I look at it uh, from another point of view, but I suppose the bishop of Nashville at the time uh, sent the best and the brightest that he had to the high school. Uh-huh. I say this all the time. When I was in high school, mm-hmm. my heroes were not uh, athletes and uh, popular entertainers, uh, but they were the 
priests. Sure. Uh, two of them became bishops. They were a fine group of men. Yeah. So um, uh, when did I uh, begin to think about being a priest? I, I don't know. I guess it was more gradual and subtle. But as the years went by, I became involved not only in classes, of course, but I became involved in ex- extracurricular activities and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and would be uh, with the priests in another dimension other than in a classroom setting and be brought into their ministry in a sense. One of the priests had a a weekend assignment, and that was to the Tennessee State Prison for Men. So he would take four of us to uh, the prison occasionally, and they had a dedicated chapel, I remember, St. Dismas Chapel, and he would have mass, and then there'd be a holy hour. And while in that particular visit, I had a experience with another group of sisters. The issue was that you had to fast from everything, including water, until you received communion. Mm-hmm. So mass was there at 9 o'clock in the morning or whatever it was. Well, the prisoners could not go to the mess hall for breakfast because they'd break their fast, the uh-huh. Catholic prisoners could not. So that was an issue. The Daughters of Charity uh, took upon themselves. They would uh, come out to the Mass, and they would bring, uh, I can still taste them, these wonderful, wonderful sweet rolls and donuts and <laughs> so forth from the hospital kitchen, uh-huh. serve a breakfast to the prisoners. I know what you're thinking. How dare you cut them off in the middle of the story? Well, you're going to have to listen next week to Flavor of the Week Part two with Monsignor Campion. So many stories. It was just amazing. We sat down for like an hour and a half and he just went from story to story to story to story. So we'll try to connect to this over the course of four weeks so you can enjoy a little bit of what is the fabulous life of Monsignor Campion over at Our Sunday Visitor. (laughs) 